Hello, I'm Howard Hawking and welcome to the 93.20 Friday Show, where we'll be looking ahead to the Burnley match this weekend, having another look back at Napoli, that wonderful and nervous victory to join the week, and also a few of the wider issues in football uh, that have been hitting the news and putting the world to rights, basically. I'm delighted to be joined by the biggest hitter of them all. Hello, Asan. I love that intro, Howard. Yeah. Thank you very much. Well, I'm not the biggest hitter of them all, I but... Just, I just say it as it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing, anyway? I'm all right, man. I'm I'm feeling good, feeling good. The sun's shining in Paris, yeah. so, so what, I can't complain. Go on. What temperature is it today? It's not that It's not that hot, actually. It's about 15, 16 degrees. Uh, it's just glorious sunshine. Well, so. Manchester's suffering from the worst-named storm of all time. Storm Brian, I think it's called... <laughs> Really? Basically, yeah, storm. By storm, I mean heavy heavy drizzle. Uh, but okay. it's going to be pretty rank tomorrow, I think, for the match. So uh, Apparently tomorrow it's going to be very windy and rank in Paris as well. So, yeah. Um, I thought yeah. I'd just say the, uh, the Burnley players will love it, won't they? Just, just referring to stereotypes. Uh, but <laughs> it, it's, hey, apparently Burnley are amazing now. They play amazing football. You know, yeah. Have you heard about their manager, Daichinho? <laughs> Well, uh, we're going to be hearing more about him later, (laughs) whether you like it or not. (laughs) Uh, I've got an opening question for you, away from from Burnley and City. Well, not totally away from City. Look at the Champions League performances so far this season from English clubs. Which of the English teams do you think are most likely to progress far in the competition? And are we seeing a renaissance in Europe for English teams? Or is this far too early to make such bold claims? Uh, far too early to make such a bold claim. I think that City are obviously better than they were last season. Um, Spurs, uh, I didn't see the game against Real Madrid, but everything I've read suggests that it was an excellent performance at the Bernabeu. Um, and Harry Kane could have won it, apparently, in the last minute for them. So they are better than they were last season. Uh, I think there's a little bit, there's been a little bit of a, um, uh, the, the, the gap between the very, very top. Uh, and teams like City has maybe gotten a little bit smaller because City are a bit better, Spurs are a bit better. Chelsea went in the Champions League last season, but Antonio Conte, even though they got a 3-3 draw against Roma, you think he's the type of manager who would do well in that competition. Um, So, and I think on, on the flip side, Madrid just aren't as scintillating as they were last season. Barcelona have got a new manager. Bayern Munich have sacked a manager. Um, it's an it's an interesting season in the Champions League. Yeah. I think that City and Spurs and Chelsea on paper can win this tournament this season, as crazy as that sounds. Um, United probably also could win it if they get the rub of the green in terms of the draw. Um, but the idea that like English teams are suddenly much better than they were a year ago or two years ago. I don't think that's quite the case. I think that we, I think if City and Spurs, if you get two or three English teams who get to the semi-finals, then maybe you've got a conversation. But for the moment, it's a bit premature. It's a question. If uh, we can't meet an English team uh, in the first stage of the knockout, but... If, if let's suggest all the teams are in, who would you most want to meet? Who do you think would have the best chance of getting past in the knockout stage? United, United. Yeah, they're the, they're the, they're the team that I'd, they're the team that I think over two legs 
we'd find it easiest to beat. I think Spurs would be tricky over two legs. Chelsea, I think, could potentially be a nightmare over two legs. Um, Liverpool... Yeah, Liverpool's kind of a similar thing. I'm not convinced that I enjoy playing Liverpool. I don't know. I, I I think of all those sides, this United team are the team that I fear the least. So you enjoy what playing United? <laughs> uh, no, no. I mean, I'm not saying that I enjoy playing United. I'm saying that of all those teams, United are the ones that I'd most like to face because I think that we could do the best against them over two legs. Because I don't think they're defensively as good as, as Chelsea, even though Chelsea is shipping loads of goals at the moment. But I don't think they're defensively as good as Chelsea. Um, and I think from an attacking point of view, Lukaku is, I personally think Lukaku is exactly the type of forward that Stones and Otamendi are going to love playing against. All right. I mean, I, I think just the situation right now, there's not a lot in it, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, across the four teams. It's true. It's pros and cons big time, but I'd go for Chelsea, I think, if they, if they do continue to unravel. Uh, I'm just not sure they'd have the strength in depth, but it could be a very different situation by the time the actual ties came round. So it more depend on who was in and who, you know, who was out injured. And but just the thought of having to play United in a big game, just I don't want to go through that twice, another two times, to be honest. But if you're just taking the emotion out of it, then I see your point. But I just don't want to play him, except when we have to. Twice a season is enough for me. So. <laughs> I understand, Howard. I understand. Yeah. I knew you wouldn't agree with me on that one. Oh, just the thought of playing. Oh, my stomach's gone. <laughs> just, <laughs> just hate the day. Ugh. Already thinking of December. Uh, right, I've got another opening question, part two, because it's been a news, uh, something we need to talk about, and that's, of course, our wonderful football association. Uh, women's team's manager, Mark Sampson, of course, been in the news after allegations of racism against mainly Eniola Aluko, but also I think to Drew Spence, the FA, FA, I'm just sighing as I say this, same old story, the FA chairman Greg Clark clearly just stinks of a cover-up trying to make all this go away. Uh, Parliamentary committee met this week, a report's been out, Aluko gave some wonderful evidence, Uh, I thought she was excellent when she gave it, and it seems the FA are now grovelling and apologising because everything she alleged was true. Uh, he has been found guilty of racial comments and lots of pointless arguments online. Does that make him racist himself? But, Asan, your thoughts on this whole sorry affair? Where do I start? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> is anybody surprised that the FA is a racist, homophobic, sexist institution? Are there many institutions that are over a hundred years old that are run by old white men that don't conform to stereotypes with regards to racism, sexism, and and homophobia. I don't think there are many. Um, So does it surprise me? No, it doesn't. Does it surprise me that the FA tried to cover it up? Not really. Um, I feel as though, you know, I don't know. I mean, obviously there's been a lot in the media and I find it quite interesting that I applaud guys like Daniel Taylor who, who have really gone out of their way to highlight the absolutely appalling treatment um, that some of the English women's team players have had. But at the same time, you know, oftentimes our media will treat black English players different 
to white English players. Um, so I think that institutional racism exists within the FA just as it exists within the media. And that's not to, um, I'm not trying to absolve the FA of anything here. I just personally, um, I find it quite interesting and it makes me raise an eyebrow that the media are sort of saying, you know, the FA are a farce and, uh, you know, needs to be changes, root and branch changes, all that sort of stuff. And I just sort of feel like, well, you know, British media tend to reflect those attitudes as well. So if there needs to be root and branch change at the FA, then there probably needs to be root and branch change within the uh, within the media as well. That's just my take. I'm a cynic, mate. <laughs> and, well, that's what's true, let's be honest. Aluko, she's, I think she's got over 100 caps. She, now, I know England got a new manager. I don't know if she's uh, just a stand-in at the moment, caretaker, and said Aluko will be welcomed back to the team. But I don't know if you know... The players scored a goal soon after this all blew up and they all ran to Sampson and hugged him to celebrate the goal. A very public show of support for him, which I found pretty distasteful now that everything's come out. I feel it... Did you see that? I find it very weird that that happened, that they're supporting the manager over a player alleging racist abuse. I I definitely find it uh, a bit uncomfortable, but... I don't know the ins and outs of that dressing room and I don't yeah. know, you know, whether they, you know, it's, it's one of those where sometimes you see, you know, managers under pressure and, and someone will score a goal and all the players will go and celebrate with him and then he'll get sacked and the same players will turn around and go, he was rubbish. We didn't want him. You, you see what I mean? Yeah. Don't you? That, that there's the, the, the idea that football players um, are hypocritical is not something that, that would surprise me. So in that, yeah, it's weird and it's distasteful, but it it doesn't surprise me. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I mean, no, I see what you're saying completely. I don't know. I just I I'm ingrained in in the way male footballers work, and they're just like giving up on them. Yeah, the histrionics and the way they act. It, it sounds sexist towards against men, that doesn't it? But yeah, I don't, you don't know what happened in that precise moment. But I just think it makes it very hard her to go back into the fold now and we have to remember through all this you know part of her career has been destroyed um, what she's had to yeah. put up with and the likes of the, the odious Matthew Side yeah, Sa- at the Times and David James as well coming out saying it was a disgrace that this was being looked into and they're all looking pretty stupid now that everything she said has been upheld it's weird David James said that after the uh Unless I'm mistaken, he said that after everything's come out, which oh, made right. me even more confused. It was just a bit like, really, mate? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah, it's always the FA. It's like Greg Clark's been quoted as saying this week, "I won't, I won't be sacked on a term of equality, you know, a matter of equality, or what he called fluff." So this is the sort of people. So it's like a gentleman's club, really, isn't it? And but I don't think there's any hiding place anymore for stuff like this. It gets outed, you know, in the modern world with people like Daniel Taylor with social media. You can't just hide these things away and just hope they go away. And Aluko's alleged she was offered money to shut up. And, you know, there's there's a lot. It's, it's very, you know, when you look at it, it's very odious stuff. And uh, But they'll probably just go on and do the same and it'll disappear in time, won't it? But, yeah, mm. that has to be changed there. Uh, but we'll move on. We'll move on to City. Uh, I wanted to quickly look back at the Napoli match. Now the dust has settled. Uh, are you still happy 
now you think about it a few days later with that overall performance on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually, I got the chance to watch the game back again and I'm happier than I was on the review in the media, in the immediate aftermath because I, I thought the way that City played in the first half an hour was incredible. And I think that Napoli are an, an incredible team themselves. And to do that to a team like Napoli, even if it's only for 30, 35 minutes. And really, we could have scored more than the two two goals that we did score. Um, I think that's a really, uh, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I thought, I thought the performance was was another level from maybe anything that we've seen in the Champions League. Um, and also, uh, I know that we have been praised for our attacking play in the last few weeks because it has been incredible. But I think both collectively and individually, Stones and Otamendi just aren't getting enough credit. And yeah. but even from me, because I think that they look like a partnership. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they, they really look like a partnership. And that's something that even going back to the early part of this season, one of the conversations that me and you had, me and Stefan about, what all of us have had on podcasts is that then not a partnership. We've all been adamant that Otamendi and Stones can't play together. And they look, currently like a brutally efficient partnership and they look like they have an understanding and they look like they're enjoying playing next to each other um what do you think's that been a been the do you think it's just a coaching thing or do you think something else has changed that that has made a big difference to them uh yeah it's both wait definitely the coaching i think across the team that i think they understand more uh I think they're just, yeah, they've taken on, they've had a year of Pep's instructions now and it makes more sense. But, you know, I'm a big fan of stability. And I think I think that's the most important part of the pitch for a stable partnership. Yeah, the Premier League is awash with famous defensive partnerships. Uh, and the famous defensive partnerships because they get played together and they grew together. And I think it's very important. Uh I still think if it swapped around, they'd be better than they were, you know, at times last season, because of the training side of it that they've taken on board, positioning. Uh, but it's it's a bit of everything. I think it's just you know these things take time. Would you think that uh, Adasson makes a big difference as well? well yeah, undoubtedly. Uh, it's, and Walker also. It's it's a bit of everything, isn't it? It's just you can't overstate the importance of central defender of having a keeper that you totally trust behind you. Mm. It's just, you know, it's just, it's priceless. It's utterly priceless. Uh, and I think, yeah, obviously the options down the wing all the way from the back to the front are just on a different level. But I just feel those two are bonding because they've got the chance to bond. Yeah, they've had the time on the pitch together. Uh, mm. And they understand what's expected of them more than they did a year ago. Uh, and, you know, even Otamendi has still got the PlayStation, you know, FIFA 18 slide tackle in him about once every two games, but he's, you know, he's kind of... At least it's not once a half. Yeah, it's it's kind of wound it in a bit and it's just little things like that make the difference. So, yeah, it's all those things put together. It is a multitude of reasons, so... Mm. So yeah, so that was my big big takeaway from the uh, from the Napoli game was and and just how good they were. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think that you can't again you can't overstate just how good they actually were. And I think I saw that Guardiola has taken some criticism or there's been a little bit of piss taking in him saying that's maybe the best team yeah. 
No, he said that's the be- that that's the, the the hardest team that he's ever faced, or the best team that he's faced. And I can understand why he said that because, in his opinion, the way he plays football is the best way to play football to win games and to control games. And what Napoli did to us for an hour of that game uh, was what we do to most teams most weeks. So I can completely understand why he would say that. Because even for me, some of their build-up play, and we touched upon it in the review, some of their build-up play under pressure, we gave up pressing in the second half because it was almost like, you know, I, I remember at a certain point, Jesus went to close down and he got passed around and then Sterling went to close down and he got passed around and then KDB went to, to close down and he got passed around. And then you could see from that moment on, the players just sort of went, this is not working. They're, they're, yeah. So we're going to struggle, uh, dropping intensity there. Is this going to be a problem over the season? This intensity, this press, press, press. Or have we got the personnel to get past this? Um. I don't think that we dropped intensity. I mean, some of the players did tire. There's no question about that. But I don't think that we stopped pressing because they were tired. I think we stopped pressing because we couldn't press them because they were passing through the press. I mean, it's... Does that distinction make sense? Absolutely, yeah. I think that that was the the key thing for me. I think tiredness is is a separate issue. I don't think that Guardiola accepts... Um, the the kind of fatigue thing in the way that maybe we talk about it sometimes. I think that, you know, in his opinion, the best way to win a football game is to win the ball back and to keep the ball. And if you're constantly having to go and press the opposition to win the ball back, it's because you're not doing well enough at keeping the ball. Um, and I think that that's more or less his solution, even to tiredness. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's it's a it's an interesting one. It'll be interesting. It'll definitely be interesting to see how this season unfolds because the intensity that we started against Stoke, with which we started against Stoke, with which we started against Chelsea, with which we started against Napoli, was the most. The tempo has been the best I've ever seen from a City side, and that's been crucial to the early goals. And so, well, not against Chelsea because we didn't get an early goal against Chelsea, but. In general, it's been crucial to the quality of our performances. It's starting at the right tempo. Um, and I think we'll have to do that over the course of the season because I don't think this is a team that can play at a lower tempo and and, and play well. Yeah. The uh, stats don't always tell us, though. I did see a stat that our average goal time is 37 minutes, which gives the impression that we don't start that well. But it's only that late because of... There's also a glut of very late goals. So, you know, we yeah. score a lot of goals late on and that just shifts the average goal time. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, they don't always tell the full story. That's uh, Looking at the group, what do you think of the permutations now? We've got our <laughs> hardest game next, you would think. We've then got final at home. And then we've got what I we all hope is a dead rubber in the last game because we've got the derby a few days after. Uh, are, well, are we pretty much through, or are we getting ahead of ourselves? Nine, I think we've got nine points can actually get you through, <laughs> but of course, twelve points you can go out. It's just the way, obviously, of a group stage. You know, if there's one, if there's one full team, yeah, you know, one team that just gets whipped all the time. Obviously, the points you need goes up compared to a competitive group of four teams, and find out might be that. Yeah, you know, they might not get any points at all. So. 
how how do you see it going are we are we almost there um yeah i think we are almost there i think the fact that we play napoli away um what is it one two three it's four days before we play arsenal i think it's i think it makes it tricky for guardiola but I I think what we need to do is we need to beat Napoli in Napoli and we need to beat Feyenoord because we need to guarantee that that final group game is a dead rubber. Um, and I think that's what we will do. I expect us to go to Napoli and, and win um, because I don't think our form is going to fall off a cliff in the next two or three weeks. Um, and I expect us to beat Feyenoord at home. But yeah, I do, I do think we need to win both of those games. Uh, not necessarily to qualify, but to make sure that that last game is a dead rubber um, and to make sure that we've won the group. Yeah. I mean, looking ahead a lot, if we we did lose in Napoli, I do see a scenario where we might need a point in that last game, which makes it pretty nervy. To win the group, at least. But yeah, we will yeah. see. Uh, you know, just by a quick note before we look onto the weekend, have you noticed a shift in the media coverage after Napoli and after Stoke to be fair and how have you have you have you, <laughs> have you? before I answer it have you have you noticed a shift in the I media? don't know maybe I should do a talking heads on it and not say anything for this moment mm, what do you think interesting okay if you if you want to not answer now and do a talking heads that's yeah, fine it, it's a deal um, yeah it's I a think deal. okay I, I think there's been a uh I think there's been a shift in the media. Uh, I think there was a shift post Chelsea. I think that performance, uh, everybody was was the beginning of everybody going, "Oh wow, they're really good." And then to go on the international break and, and teams generally after the international break start slowly, uh, but we come back and we put seven past Stoke, and then we put in the performance that we did against Napoli, who everybody had said running up to that game were maybe the best team in Europe currently if City aren't um, so yeah <laughs> I guess is the uh, is the answer I think there has been a shift in the media and I think that it's uh, it's going to it's going to become progressively more difficult for the people who like to take pot shots at City to take pot shots yeah. at City and I think the way the media works in Britain is that they like to, to swing from one extreme to the other so at the start of last season uh, Guardiola had come to England to change English football by the middle of last season his style was never going to work in England he was going to quit in the summer and he was a bit of a fraud and now we're back at the point where everybody's looking at it and going wow this is really really incredible and maybe this has never been seen in the league before um, I think it'll be interesting to see if we get through October in the way that I expect us to um, with the kind of rel- I'm not saying the fixtures are easy but they're kind fixtures in Oct- October and United, for example, have got a very complicated October. Chelsea's is quite tricky. Spurs is too. If we win the games we're expected to win, uh, we could find ourselves with a little bit of a gap come early November. And I think at that point, the I just think that there's another gear of, of praise that the media are going to go up into. Uh, and I think we could find Pep being put on a pedestal by the turn of the year. Yeah. Well, that's just my take. Really? Not from, and I must admit, uh, I must say that uh, for guys like Stan Collymore, I don't think it'll ever change. Nah. I don't think that people like that are ever going to give Guardiola the credit that he deserves. Or because, um, he, the, the or because he misheard a press conference comment as well. I think that's one of it. I don't think, uh, who, Pep, I don't think Pep misheard. No, no, Stan misinterpreted. Pep didn't have a go at 
Colin Moore, he just didn't hear the question properly, did he? And he said, sorry. He kind of didn't hear what was being asked of him, didn't understand the question. Colin Moore took that sure? as a slight of... I'm not sure, but it's how it looked to me. It was not to me like Guardiola was going, ooh, nah. knowing full well who that guy nah, was. I'm not sure. But it was a strange anyway. question that was asked of him, so it wasn't easy to answer. So, I mm. yeah, I don't think we need to worry about people like him anyway. No, but I think, but even you know, like the original bald fraud, um, Duncan Castles. I mean, guys like that, they're just they're not gonna. They're, they're, those those journalists who have agendas against City with very personal agendas, I don't think that that'll change. But I think, you know, writers like Henry Winter, who I respect, I think that they will be, by the turn of the year, talking about how special Guardiola is and how special this City team is going to be over the next five years. Because this isn't... I think the thing that we're seeing right now is Guardiola turning us into a Guardiola machine. And in even if we're not there yet in 12 months time, we absolutely will be a Guardiola machine. And if you think about the ways Bayern team performed and the ways Barca team performed, you know, I think fours and fives against lower opposition will become the norm. And and that in and of itself in the Premier League will set us apart from most of our challenges for the league title. Excellent. Well, Michael Cox, is Zono Markin said during the week, that opening half hour against Napoli was the best he's seen from the English side in many years. Yeah. Oh, really? And obviously the replies were the usual, you know, like United fans going, but, 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 what about, what about, what about, and it's like, what about the triple <laughs> team in 99? He said, you know, it was like, just learn to read. I said, half an hour of football in a match. I didn't say it was the greatest oh performance ever or achievement. He just said that opening half hour was some of the most total domination exhilarating football he's seen so uh, and he knows his tactics you know, I don't always agree with everything he says but he knows his stuff doesn't he so that's twice in a month that my, I've said something that, that reflects something that Michael Cox said yeah I don't know what that means I've just thought well, I'd say it if you're, if you're warming to him he's got a book out so go and buy it <laughs> I am warming to him actually. I've given him a lot of stick on Twitter, but the fact that it's a bit you know, dry, isn't it? But yeah, he's he's not one. Of, you know, I think we can set him aside, apart from the likes of the Custis and Castles. With the you know, he, he speaks without bias at least. So yeah, I mean, you, you'd think all journalists would, but sadly not the case. But we will move on to the weekend and the big match against Burnley. So, Asan, your views on Dyche, well known. <laughs> So with that in mind, are yes. Okay. Absolutely everyone knows what you think of Dash. <laughs> you adore him. Hi Lloyd, wherever you are. I know that Lloyd's in Peru up a mountain somewhere going, Hey San, don't go on a Sean Dash yeah. rant. That <laughs> you picture at the top going, Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Here he goes again. Amazing. Uh, but if you could yeah, consider what you think of his style and it's kind of limited. Does that mean that he won't cause us problems tomorrow, or that, am I confusing two separate issues here? Could he still cause us problems with how he sets up that team tomorrow, or do you think that we're we're past having those sort of problems and it will just brush past Burnley? Well, I think that if you take the wider view or the longer view, I think my longer view and wider view is that I actually think that parking the bus against us is rapidly going to become a redundant exercise because I think that we're going to spank teams who try and park the bus against us. Bearing in mind that 
Chelsea are the champions and we went to their ground and they still part the bus and we still beat them. I'm not sure how Burnley have better defenders than Chelsea do, for example. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, in terms of the wider and the longer view, I don't think that parking the bus is the right thing to do against us. I actually think we struggle more when we're pressed high. Um, and I know that, you know, I, I it's, oddly enough, I think pressing is the one thing that you don't have to be amazing footballers to do well. So there's no reason why Burnley, in theory, couldn't come and try and press us high up the pitch. I think that, um, I don't think they will. I think they will just line up with two banks of four. Um, I think the other thing is that he's obviously been heavily, heavily, heavily linked with the Leicester job. I think there was a story yesterday that Leicester have officially approached Burnley. Deitch hasn't ruled it out in his press conference moving to Burnley. So, you know, that dressing room will know that their manager's got one foot out the door. And they will know that, you know, he's he's a manager who everybody says has performed miracles. They'll know that he's leaving because Burnley aren't prepared to spend money. I don't know. I just, I think it could be the perfect storm for City um, tomorrow. Uh, I really do. Is that a step up going to Leicester? Yeah. I mean, they've got more money and better players. So, and they've got a squad that is built to play um, efficient Football is the polite way of, yeah. of putting it. Although I, I do think that it's a, I can see the logic in the appointment, but I can't imagine that Daesh will last a long time there because I don't think that, I'm not convinced that he can recreate what um, what Ranieri did there in terms of the success that Ranieri had playing on the counter-attack. I'm not convinced that he can do that because I'm not convinced that a lot of those players enjoy playing that way. Um, I don't know. There's a, there's, it's, it's, it's definitely a step up, um, but it'll be interesting to see how Sean Dyche does. I don't rate him that much, as you know, so I don't envisage that he's going to go there and turn them into a top six side. I don't think that's Have you watched any of their results? You know, they've pulled out some big results away to big teams this season. Yeah. Who, Burnley? Yeah. Oh, they've been excellent. What's the they've, they've, what, in what, what they've done. How did they win at what? Chelsea? Was that just an opening day freak, an outlier? How did? Well, I think that was an opening day freak and an outlier. I think that um, why they're better is because I think they've changed formation. Now there might be a Burnley fan who might you know be listening to this and go, "You don't know what you're talking about." But as far as I'm aware, they've gone from a four-four-two to more of a four-three-three, and the reason for that has been to incorporate um, Stephen DeFore into the team. Uh, who is actually a very good footballer, um, and they've had Defoe playing in a in a deeper role, and it's actually helped them to counter attack well, but also just to keep the ball. They they are actually better at keeping the ball when they get the ball by incorporating somebody like Defoe into their side. So you know there is. I think the the thing is that like I, I would love it if they came tomorrow and tried to keep the ball but I just feel as though they'll come and they'll go well we're not doing that against the City side just sit in with your two banks of four and launch it up and you, you see yeah. what I'm saying don't you that they might try and play like that against teams in the you know teams around them or teams in the lower top half of the table but I just don't see them coming to City and, and trying yeah, I mean, to I mean the stats the if you looked at the stats you'd think they were in the relegation zone because I think they, they score very lowly in possession Shots, shots allowed, you know, and all those sort of things, past completion rates, 
that's pretty fine line. They uh, they defend well and they get a killer goal here and there, you know. Uh, and I think they cover very well. Uh, someone said this on a, a national pod during the week. I don't know which one. That they cover the area between the posts very well, so they're very good at blocking shots and really crowding that penalty area. So that would be a key, I think, is that we find space in that penalty area. Uh, but we're going to dominate the ball again, so and you'd <coughs> think they'd tire too. Uh, but talking of tiring. There is talk, and we don't, you know, we're not sure if there was fatigue at playing Tuesday. Do you think Pep's going to tinker with this and make a few changes, or is he going to do the same again and keep the same side? Well, I mean, I, I suppose we should start by talking about the players who looked the most tired on on Tuesday, and I think I think we're all in agreement that Fernandinho yeah. looked knackered. KDB looked pretty knackered. Uh, and I think Sane's touch was a little bit off as well. Although I think with Sane, it wasn't so much tiredness. I think it's just he's a very young player and he will have moments of, of inconsistency, particularly against a side who are fantastic at pressing and harrying and closing the opposition down uh, in the way in which uh, Napoli, Napoli were. Um, but I think, for example, looking at Ferner, right now, I'm not convinced. Like, I don't think that... Pep will change that midfield tomorrow. I think Fernandinho will start again. I think that KDB will start again. I think that David Silva will start again. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, it's slightly, I think it's different to the to the Bayern team in that I think at Bayern he had tons of centre midfield options and it made it very easy for him to shuffle those players around. I think at Barcelona he didn't have quite as many um, centre midfield options. And so I think that he rarely changed Javi Iniesta, Busquets or Javi Iniesta, Yaya before uh, Yaya was sold to us. Um, and I, th- I feel as though that's the closest analogy I can draw looking at City this season. I think that Ferner, Silva, KDB, that's his centre mid. And I don't think that he's going to, maybe in January we'll buy a centre midfield player. Uh, but I think for the moment... I don't think suddenly Torre gets a game tomorrow or Gundogan gets a game tomorrow. I think he'd prefer to have those players play and win the games early as they have been doing and bring them off with an hour to go, particularly bearing in mind that next week uh, is a League Cup week. So it means that he can give all of his big players a rest in midweek. So what? So you you do think that, I mean, talk about good... I don't think there'll be... I think the only change will be Aguero for either Jesus yeah. or one of Sterling and Sane, but I actually don't think there'll be any other changes yeah. uh, to the team yeah, for Burnley I was, tomorrow. I was what about you? Then, what I'm would you not, do? I don't know. I'm really caught between... Not sure how he's going to call this one. Uh, yeah. As I say, gap from Tuesday night. It, it was a home game, obviously, on Tuesday night. It's a home game on a Saturday. No travelling. That's quite a gap. Uh, it's not a bad gap. So... Fatigue, if there was a couple tired, they should be able to get over it in that time, knowing that if there was a fatigue problem with, say, two or three players, that they won't play in the midweek against Wolves. So they've just got one more game to get through. So, yeah, I can see that. It'll keep the same. Gundogan uh, could come in. Gundogan, sorry. <laughs> one day I'll, I'll uh, say his name right. And But, of course, I mean, we've discussed it off, off air, not 
he's not alike. It's not exactly the same player as Fernandinho. I do think if I was going to take a guess, I think Aguero might come in if he is. Suff- I mean, he's been, if he's been on the bench, he must be okay to play. I think he may come in for San uh, for Sane. And I've just got this hunch that we might swap the silvers around because I just I don't know. Silver's a bit off the boil, but as you say, it's one more match uh, with the League Cup coming up or whatever it's called. He doesn't really have to make changes. So, yeah, he could keep the same. But I, if I was going to guess, I think he might make one change. I think it would be Aguero to come in uh, and Sane to drop. Okay. Um, I think, just yeah, to- yeah, just because he was a bit off the boil. Uh, he might just give him one game out and then put him back in during the week, maybe. I don't know. Or just give him a whole week off. Mm. Just out of curiosity, Sam Lee mentioned it on um, a couple of the the pods that we do on the 93-20 player, that he feels or he knows that Guardiola was actually furious with Aguero for going to to Amsterdam. Um, What's your take on that? Can you... He basically implied that maybe Aguero's not got back in the team, even though he's fit, because as much as anything else, he's sort of being punished. Uh, well, I can't really say, because I, I very much doubt he was fully match fit a week ago. Uh, but, well, obviously, the injury's been overstated. I find it very hard to, be- to believe that players are allowed to leave the country without informing the club. Because I once, I once went round the academy, there was, you know, being showed round, and it was like, they even have to, you know, I've got a team there that monitor the players. And they even have to, they have to record how much sleep mm. they have every night. Have to come in, you know. That's the level of detail we're talking about here. Having a day off, I'm sure if they left the country, they'd have to tell the club. So I find it hard that it's just like, right, you've got a day off, and he just jetted out the country. So I could believe, believe that he would punish him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, no, but that's not the question I was going to ask. The question I was going to ask was: So, do you really think that Guardiola is going to let a player fly to Amsterdam two days before they play Chelsea? That's just uh, even if they've got a day off, right? If if we run, if we go by your um, argument that the players have got to ask permission, so do you think that he's asked for permission and Pep's given it to him two days before Chelsea? Because for me personally, that also seems a bit yeah. far fetched in a way. Because if you're the coach and a player comes and goes, I want to go to Amsterdam to go to a gig on on Thursday, I'll take a private jet. You'd still be like, well, no, we play Chelsea this week. I agree. Sit yeah. tight. Uh, but. It's balancing it. It's keeping players happy, maybe. I don't, I've not read everything about it. it. was picking his child. I don't know. He might admit. He don't know what he's up to. If you know, maybe he wasn't due to play. But you can't. You can't let a player jet off if they're due to be on the subs bench because Jesus would get injured in training on a Friday. And then he's in the side. Then he he would be playing, wouldn't he? So, you know, players get time off when they're not due to play. So maybe he'd already made that decision that he was yeah. on the subs bench. Yeah, I do feel it a bit weird. I mean, it's not far away. But as you say about all this conditioning of players, even just getting back late, and not getting a good night's sleep, even little things like that, they frown upon. So yeah, I do find it a bit weird that it was there then. Uh, but I'd rather players were kept happy. Obviously, a taxi can crash anywhere. So the actual incident is... that That's, yeah, that's irrelevant. Oh yeah, it's not about the incident. I think obviously you won't have been there. Uh, yeah doing Jaeger bombs at the gig, but but it's more about just, you know, the freshness of the body, isn't it, really? That's that's the issue here, yeah. Exactly. The tra- 
the travel. I mean, I just, I, I, I think maybe a little travel, but it still would have been. I'm sure that I've. That's the issue for me. Yeah, but I think yeah. it's to do with being on a plane. Like, I think, I think that's the thing. I'm sure that I've read somewhere once that you know that the the human body for athletes they need a certain amount of time to recover. Um, yeah. After they get off plane, what, even for even for so, an hour. Then? I don't know. It's, I don't know. Well, yeah, because your your body's still, you know, you you're still in a pressurized tube, thirty thousand feet yeah. above the ground. You see what I'm saying? Like it, it still does the same. Whether whether it does this thing to your body for six hours or for for ninety minutes, your body still yeah. does that thing. Yeah, you know what I mean, uh, it was a bit weird that when you heard it's like, but well, we should just be thankful anyway. It's okay, and but yeah, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Uh, I'm going to ask you for Absolutely. a score prediction. Now, can I ask you for uh, okay. a score prediction first? Uh, I'm going to go a bit of a strange score, four-one. I think we'll get. We may. It may be a Palace-like game, so we may. I don't. I'm not convinced we'll get the early goal but we may get some late ones. But I still think now we've conceded a goal here and there in two consecutive games. There might be another goal. You know, Bailey might sneak one, but we should have more than enough. So, yeah, 4-1 for me. I'm going to go with 4-0 because I think that we'll get an early goal. <clears throat> I think that Stones and Ottenbendy are going to keep whatever... Grocks Burnley have got up top. They're going to keep them out, and I think that yeah, I think we'll be uh, I think we'll be all right. So you were <laughs> down nil nil draw basically. Oh, That's all we win. No, I'm joking, kids. I'm joking. Yeah. We'll win. Oh, brilliant. Right. Well, I think we've covered everything. Nothing to add. Yeah, we have indeed. Nothing at all to add except for apologies. Uh, for those who were expecting Mark Meadowcroft to be on the pod, because we did say that he'd be in the lineup, but he picked up a last-minute injury, yeah, and therefore couldn't join us. <laughs> or oh, he did. Oh, they both did. <laughs> right, well, thank you very much for, for yeah. chatting to me, Asa. Uh, yeah, um, thank Pleasure, you for thank listening. You very much for if you like what you heard, keep listening to our shows and subscribing as well if you don't already. Next week, obviously, we'll have a review of the Burnley game. Uh, we'll look ahead to other games, uh, and I may even do a Talking Heads and lots of other shows coming. So uh, do keep looking out for those shows. Uh, until next time, goodbye.